All righty, we're going to get started uh, with this uh, Q&A panel, and this is a little adjustment for us in our uh, leadership uh, conference structure with uh, a little earlier start to the morning and the evening service, and then instead of taking Q&A live in the sessions, referring people to the text and email, and then trying to have a concentrated time for that effort here in the afternoon. So thanks for being flexible with our schedules. We move some things around. But what a great morning. And uh, past travel session this morning on the culture. And then Dr. Robertson, just both uh, real treats for the conference. So thank you for being here and bringing such a great spirit uh, to it. This is the Q&A on soul winning and discipleship. And we have uh, several questions that have uh, been given to us. And so we'll do our best to answer those. And then... Uh, we'll take some live uh, from here on the floor if you have them, and we're going to go to about 2.30. And then uh, if you want to stay and ask more questions, maybe we'll do that individually, but we're bit, let everybody else go get a little bit of reprieve uh, before the evening service science six thirty. So let's take a minute, and I'll have uh, the various men maybe introduce themselves and uh, where they serve and how long they've been there, and then we'll have prayer and we'll dive right in. I think we've got enough cord uh, to do this. We'll start on this end down here with uh, Dr. Rasmussen, if we can. I think I can be heard. My name is Mark Rasmussen. I've been here for 20 years, and I, I must say I was recruited here by a statement pastor said to me. He asked me one day, he said, how's your fruit? And while I'd had a lot of people pray a prayer, uh, to my shame after being in two mega ministries, I can't take you back there and show you anyone I led to Christ, and I, that bothered me. And I came out here, and it's been the best 20 years of my life ministry-wise, and I'm very grateful for what I've learned in this particular area here at this place. I'm Tim Rasmussen. I'm at Faith Baptist Church in Canoga Park, and I've been now, I've been there for 20 years. Thank you. And then, first off. I'm Jerry Rasmussen, and um, I've been part of the Rasmussen family now for about 10 minutes. But uh, Jerry, first of all, been here uh, for going on 27 years now, and um, it's been a great joy to serve the Lord here at Lancaster Baptist. Brother Furso lives this area, I promise you that, and it's been a constant encouragement in my life uh, in this area, and I'm so thankful for him. I'm Gabriel. I serve here at uh, Lancaster Baptist as well. Uh, let's pray, and we'll dive in. We'll cover some of these that have already been uh, sent in to us, and then uh, we'll take the live ones hard, all right? And we'll have some fun with that. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for uh, the privilege of serving you. Thank you for these uh, dear servants that have gathered together with us for uh, this conference. And Lord, we pray that you would... Uh, bless their lives and their ministry. We pray that you would give them fruit that remains. And may the questions posed today and the questions from these men and their uh, experience and wisdom and personal lives give us encouragement that we would go home fervent and that we would see fruit that remains. We pray that you bless our time. May it glorify you and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's dive in. <clears throat> first question, and I was thinking, uh, Pastor Rasmussen and Brother Furso, if you would answer this one. I attend a secular college and sometimes struggle to share the gospel with my unsaved friends. What suggestions do you have, first of all, to gain more boldness in sharing the gospel, and then secondly, to share the gospel in a loving way and, and to see souls be saved? So, but first, let's start with you. I think one of the tools that you could use, there's a lot of uh, printed material that you could uh, give to somebody in that setting. I think of the book Done, or a pastor just recently wrote a book on Paid in Full. I think those are two great tools that you could give to somebody and say, hey, why don't you read this? And then afterwards, um, 
any questions that you might have and let's meet again and kind of talk over that book and because I think those are very very two well-written books I think are very great tools in having people just maybe intellectually kind of read through that and to um, you know then from there get into the gospel I think second of all I think um, just training our people um, many of us probably in this room are in full-time ministry and soul winning is what we do every single week of our lives and most of us multiple days of the week and so it really becomes a part of us um, but our lay people, if they go out, let's just say on Saturday morning for two hours, and let's just say they knock on 30 doors, out of those 30 doors here, probably 20 of them are not home. And so really, they're only really talking to 10 people a week in, in that type of a setting. And, and so they probably, I'll use, and this is not a spiritual term, they don't really get in a rhythm, if you allow me to say it that way, um, in presenting the gospel uh, week after week after week, and so that continual training for them, I think, is vitally important. Let me just say, for me, you know, I'm I'm a real shy person by nature, so just talking to people is not really in my comfort zone. But I've just asked the Lord to give me boldness to to be unashamed to talk to people, and I just, you know, the devil wants to strike fear in our hearts, doesn't he? And uh, you know, we have the truth, and we know that it's truth. And so I've just asked the Lord to just give me a holy boldness to, to be able to speak to people. And, and as God gives me opportunities, I want to take advantage of those opportunities. And boy, this young person in college, uh, those relationships, uh, you know, develop with classes and other opportunities to invite to church or to uh, give a book or give a gospel track to. And, you know, my, my approach always is, you know, could I give this to you? There's some Bible verses in heaven. I really think they'll be an encouragement to you. And I'm telling you, almost always people take it from me. And then as the Holy Spirit gives me direction, I can go further from that as they're receptive. But I'm trying to get it into their hand. That, that's really my goal with that. That's great. And I think <clears throat> developing that relationship, as Pastor Rasmussen said, is key uh, to be able to do that with unsaved people on the campus. Uh, let's go to Dr. Armey, Pastor Rasmussen, with this one. What is your advice for helping an older church reignite soul-winning fervor? Your advice to reignite soul-winning fervor, both of you. Well, let me just say this. As a pastor, I, I understood very early on that if I'm not out and actively trying to lead people to Christ, how in the world can I ask someone else to do it? And so to me, I'll just tell you that if a week goes by and I haven't had the opportunity to at least give someone the gospel, it, it really bothers me. And I'm the one that stands up front and watches during the invitation. So I take that as a personal responsibility. It's my job uh, to be a witness. So if I can lead the way with that, then I can really encourage others to follow suit. And as I mentioned in my session earlier, you know, just something I pray about every day. I pray that God will give me fruit. And I believe that's a prayer because God wants to answer. So I, I do pray for that, ask God to help me with that, and look for those opportunities. One thing that was mentioned there, I believe, especially for those of you who are leaders, our followers would never be at the same level. So if we go out once a week, they figure they don't have to do that because we're the leader. We get paid to go soul winning. I think if they do, and I have to tell pastors, I've been in about 35 churches this summer. I say, if you go out on a Tuesday night instead of Thursday, you say, hey, I was out with Bill. We met this family. They say, hey, he went on a night that wasn't the normal night. And I went out Saturday with this person, or Friday afternoon I made a visit. If they know you're going out multiple times. We grew up in a family. Our dad went four nights a week. He was serious about it. And by the way, what is the ultimate? Now, he stayed in one place a long time, but ultimately the fruit of that, he had 400 personal converts in the church. And uh, he knocked doors from four to six, always came home for dinner, 
spent an hour at home. We had long devotions. <laughs> they decided to go out and make a follow-up call or two. Friday night was family night. And, of course, two nights were church nights. But if we will take and I've told pastors this time after time, it's very simple. People get saved. We have to talk. We have to put a lot of seed out, number one, uh, to get some fruit. Because some falls on stony, some on thorny, some on shallow. And then secondly, I'll tell you the churches where people are getting saved. It's really simple. Where there are visitors. Where there are visitors. No visitors, not going to be a lot of salvation decisions. Where there's visitors, I preached a week ago, fr- last Friday, and they had about 10 visitors at the, at the meeting. Six people got saved. That was more people than seen saved the previous 25 meetings. But there was more visitors there than the previous 25 meetings combined. You know, so... I really believe if we set a standard there. And again, I, I owe a great debt to Brother Furso. When I came here, Pastor told me, he said, Brother Furso is the guy who could really show you how to do this. We went out probably 50 or 60 times together. And I found out he just talked to everybody. And he is not a shy person. <laughs> uh, but he just talked to everybody. And it's amazing, often people respond. And we've seen people, I've been out with tour groups for decades. We've seen people come that we met at Burger King, at thrift stores, at a used book sale. And we didn't even know the name of the church. We're trying to look at the notebook where we're going that night. And people show up because they were asked. So, Excellent, excellent answers. Next question. If a couple both get saved and desire to be baptized right away, but they're living together, how do you counsel to handle that situation? And I'll... I'll start because I got a little experience in this area <laughs> as of late. <laughs> Brother Firso teases me. I have rule chapel in my backyard right now uh, for seeing people married. But um, at Lancaster Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Chapel's uh, philosophy and our practice of our church is we don't baptize someone uh, who is living together in sin and not married. Uh, and that's just been that way for 31 years. Which, when you look at the consistency of that, and then you think about the cultural shifts that we're seeing, and you're going to deal with things about what do you do with homosexuals and so forth, having something like that in place to say we've consistently practiced this as it comes to sexual sins will be a great strength to that argument. But when you lead someone to the Lord, and you begin to maybe get their name so you can pray for them or write it in their Bible or whatever, and you quickly figure out they have two different last names— it's a little awkward right in that moment when you want to talk about baptism or something like that to, you know, to bring up the fact that they're living together, they're in sin, and they need to get married. Um, and yet that's what we do here uh, before they get baptized. Now, we don't, you know, pray with them and then, you know, do you understand your decision? Now let's talk about your gross immorality. We don't, we don't take it quite, uh, that, quite that quick, um, but we encourage them. Uh, to come to church, and then what I do personally, and Brother Furson and some of these other men may have a, a, a thought to add to this, but what I do personally, when I lead some of the Lord, I very soon talk with him about getting baptized. When I know I'm talking with a couple who's not married and they accept Christ as their Savior, I purposely don't talk about baptism. And I just encourage them to start reading God's Word, coming to class, coming to church. I give them the first step for new believers, and almost organically it will come up. Hey, I want to get baptized. Uh, or we'll talk to him about discipleship or whatever. And then when that comes up, I talk about the fact that baptism not only identifies their relationship in Christ, but it also adds them to the church. And we want a pure body. And then we talk about their relationship. And for me personally, most people I talk with, they say, yeah, we know. We've kind of been talking about getting married. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they don't have a date set or anything like that, but they kind of been talking about it. And then I just encourage them to expedite that process. And, um, and uh, we encourage them to make that right just as soon as they possibly can. And we've had all kinds of weddings in this building 
up in offices <laughs> and in little classrooms and outside under the gazebo with a man and a woman and maybe their kids and a, a mom or dad there that they just were trying to make their relationship right before the Lord. And um, so that's kind of our practice and how we handle that. But first of all, what would you add to that? That's perfect. All right. <laughs> He's going to leave that alone. Pastor Aston, you want to add? Anything? Dr. Tell them how many weddings you did. In the last year and a half, I probably have done 15. Uh, and in the five years I've been here, uh, no doubt it's 30 or 40. Uh, when you look through my class, I'm working on a couple right now, Harold and Lisa Vlegas and Lisa Ortiz, and uh, that's what we're working on right now. And, and, and they know it, and we've talked about it, uh, and they're coming, but we've we got to work that through. So it's, but, I mean, in pastor's session this morning, uh, what was it, a few years ago, uh, 72% of all adults, and now it's 52%, and then of couples living together, was it 6 out of 10? Was that the status on the screen? And that's the world we live in here, I promise you that. It's unbelievable. Easter, Brother First and I would go over hundreds of visitors from an Easter weekend type, and it's it's hard anymore to know who's married, who's not married. I mean, it's it's really difficult when you're doing your follow-up. It's just a different culture. And Pastor talked about this morning, and I love this statement. In 10 years from now, we're going to have independent Fundamental Baptist pastors with tattoos <laughs> and uh, because we're reaching people and bringing them up. And if you're going to reach people, and we're striving to do that here uh, with a passion, you're going to reach people in that condition. I, I just don't believe that we can be the kind of people that reach people, we point out their sin, and then say good luck. I just personally feel in my heart like if I'm going to be the one that brings them, this is where you are and it displeases the Lord, I'd also be the one that says, now here's how to get it right and let me help you. And that's not the kind of weddings we put in the church bulletin and we promote. Sometimes I don't even have my kids there. But I'm going to be there. And we're going to love them and help them. And I think you understand. And, you know, pastor does weddings in the auditorium. Kids who grew up here and did it right, that kind of thing. We're talking about a different situation. Yeah. Please. This illustration just came to my mind. I think I was here probably, Dr. Ari, you'll remember this. I think I was here about three weeks. And um, this gentleman and his, we thought it was his wife, uh, came to our service. And uh, the guy was probably six foot seven, probably a biscuit away from 350 pounds. I mean, he was huge. And um, he got really mad during the message that pastor was preaching. And afterwards, he, he came to pastor's line and really just was letting pastor have it. And so we had security and kind of pushed him aside. And pastor was walking to, a, to his car, and this guy starts running after him. And um, pastor thought, okay, I'm going to have to deck him, you know. And um, so he was nervous because everybody was pretty much gone. And, and the guy got closer to pastor, and he said, what am I going to do? All of a sudden, pastor realized his eyes were filled with, you know, tears. He's crying. He said, I'm sorry, pastor. My girlfriend and I were not married, and we need to get married. And so Pastor looked at me and says, why don't you marry them right now? And so I went into Pastor's office. I had my Bible and my Hiles Church Manual. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's something we do here, okay? That's awesome. That's great. They don't usually happen that fast, but that, but that is the philosophy at Lancaster Baptist Church. So, okay. Uh, I'm thinking maybe the first one, Pastor Isaacson, for this one. What are you teaching your people what to say when knocking on the doors of your community when the community maybe is not real open to people coming to their doors? And we do live in a little different culture. People, strangers come to the door and so on. So what would you say to that? I said, you know, that, that's, that's a little difficult one to um, – back in Chicago, we kind of had that type of a response in the church that I grew up in. And uh, for there, it was a very strong Catholic – um, community 
And so if we said, hi, we're from a Baptist church, they would say, no, thank you, we're Catholic. And so they would shut the door. Um, what we learned to do was just say, hey, we're from a church in the community. And what that did, that just gave us a little bit longer at the door to talk to them. And here in the Yellow Valley, um, it's good for us and our soul winners to say we're from Lancaster Baptist Church. The reason why is because we've cultivated uh, and we've trained our soul winners to be uh, friendly at the door. And I think that's very, very important. Um, if you could remember anything that I say in this setting, I would say this, okay? Our position may offend people, but our disposition should never offend somebody. So if my disposition offends somebody, guess what? That's my problem. Um, I did something wrong at that door. Um, and, and we tell our soul winners this. I kind of make a joke of it. Um, always remember there's someone coming behind you. And I always tell them, normally it's me. So keep, a, keep that door open. And I think one of the keys is this, is realizing that uh, one of the keys to soul winning is timing. Uh, you can knock on one door today and they're not interested. Everything is perfect in their life. Their marriage is strong. The kids are good. The job is good. Their health is good. But, you know, three months later, you can knock on that same door, and they realize life is not real good right now. And so you want to make sure that if people are not responsive that first time, um, just be kind. Um, just be kind. And I think uh, through time, you know, I think, Pastor, I won't take real long on this, uh, but we have a very strong outreach to our law, law enforcement. But that, that took us years to cultivate. Um, at first, police officers, if you have any dealings with them, they're very cynical. And they're always wondering, okay, what do they want? And what are they trying to get out of me? And, and uh, what ticket do they want me to get, you know, help them with? And they're very good. They got their guard up. Because you think about their line of business, everybody's giving them the business. <laughs> And, um, and so when we're there trying to minister to them, they're thinking the same thing. And it, it just took us years to break through that, that barrier just to let them know, hey, we're here simply because we care about you. And I think as you're out in your community, if you're in a very difficult area, somehow think out of the box, okay? Not the, knocking on doors, we're never going to stop doing that. But think outside the box, how could we make an impact in our community other than knocking on doors. Be out there in your community, loving people, caring, pe caring for people, and letting them know that, wow, this is a real church that really cares for this community. Pastor Asmussen, well, what we're training at faith for people to say in the community? Well, in our community, you know, we have a large school, and so the ministry is really known a lot by the school, and so people know our name too. Um, we introduce ourselves as being from Faith Baptist. Um, I do like to tell people we're their neighbors, and we try to get our area around our church over and over again, like like you've heard. And like Brother Furso said, you know, they may not be receptive the first time, um, but as we go back, doors have opened up for us, and we've had opportunities. You know, I, we try really hard not to irritate people um, by doing things that would irritate them, you know, by putting the tracks in the wrong places or, you know, just, just trying to be thoughtful. And like he mentioned, just trying to be gracious. And again, if we're their neighbors, we want to be, want to be neighborly. And so th that really is the idea, and that, that will help us down the road as we're trying to witness to the people by the Lord. Great. 
Pastor Ashman, thank you. There were some other questions there about uh, secular college students. I think we kind of covered that, uh, how to uh, reach them relationally with love and then with the resources. Both men spoke on that. One question about how the soloing program is structured through the adult classes. Um, and I know Brother Fursell has taught on that extensively, and that may not have been this year, but you can always go to strivingtogether.com and go to previous year's spiritual leadership conferences, download the audio of any session that was taught for absolutely free. Um, basically, everything here is structured through the adult Sunday school, and uh, that's where people get their partners. When they come to the church meetings, they go to a class basket. They're getting a map. They're getting visits, things of that nature. So that's how it operates here through those classes, and that session would give them a little bit more. Maybe Pastor Asmussen on maybe just some of the structure of the soul program there at Faith, maybe how that part works for you all. Well, we, we have our class is represented as well in the, on tables, so people can go to the class that they're a part of too. So we'll have a files for each of the adult classes. They can go there and get, we'll have visits ready for them with maps ready to go. And uh, you know, I'm like Lancaster Baptist, just a huge believer in the Sunday school, and I believe it is a church organized, and so we do want to involve people that way too. So that's several of the questions that we had emailed and texted in. Let's take some from the floor. Maybe somebody that came here had a question you were hoping we would get to. Yes, sir. And I would think we're still doing maps. We do maps. <laughs> we do maps. So we do maps. We do have a um, digital kind of in-house app for um, our staff and key lay leaders and so on. It's really a follow-up tool and a simulation tool. Um, and so there, there are some apps out there uh, if you do a little research on it. But we still use maps, and those work effectively for us. Pastor, would you? Sure. Maps as well. So uh, the ministries represented here, we're... I guess we're a little archaic, but we're still using the paper maps at this point. So, um, but uh, there, there are there are some maps out there. There is a new program. It's at, at the uh, Student Life Center. They're just unfolding it now. That's uh, through the uh, through your, your phone. Yeah, uh, SWAT or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, I and I've seen the videos on that. We we haven't used it here, but some folks here are working on developing it. So, um, it's certainly worth looking into. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Brother, yeah. brother first on his team does that and then like when we have a big fall push or an easter push they'll bring that thing out on the stage and show where we are and so on okay, so but I think, uh, first I can speak to this too, I think all of us here have been burned at least once <laughs> and then have learned never do that again. Uh, and so we're, we're just conditioned here to be very cautious. And uh, unless we know a couple is married, we don't talk about baptism. One of the best things to do is just in the opening marks when you're visiting with somebody, um, I think one of the keys is this, is let when you go into someone's home, 
take 30 minutes for them to get comfortable with you. Realize this, they think you're weird. Okay, just, just mark, I know we all think we're pretty cool, okay? Um, but they're, they're looking at you and thinking, why are you here? This is so different and crazy. Talk to them. Uh, find out how they met. And if I'm wondering, okay, if I don't see wedding bands, if I don't see wedding pictures, uh, I'm going to say, how'd you guys meet? And, and um, oh, when did you get married? Okay, and so I'll, I'll, before I even get into the gospel, um, I'll start talking about all that. Um, now, if they say, oh, we didn't get ma- we're not married yet, or if they, you know, I, I, I don't make it an issue right there. Okay, I'll just keep on talking. Maybe I'll, I'll shift the conversation maybe to their children and, and things like that, where they, they won't feel like, oh, that was bad. Um, I'll just, you know, just kind of move the conversation along. Um, but I know in the back of my mind, if I lead them to Christ, I'm not going to talk about baptism. And um, I'll throw this out since we're kind of talking about this. Um, um, let's just say you lead a husband and wife to Christ. And let's just say the wife is ready to get baptized, but the husband's not. We encourage the wife to wait for their husband. And, and the reason why, because we want that husband to take that spiritual lead in that family. And so we'll kind of say, you know, if I'm sitting there and they, they, get, they get saved and, and um, uh, talk to them about assurance and then I talk about baptism, and the wife says, yeah, I'm ready. And the husband goes, oh, I don't know if I am. Um, well, I'll, do, I'll just say, okay, well, let's, why don't you come to church again? And, and um, I got some material I want to give to you. And, and kind of let that husband assimilate everything that's taken place in his life because I want him to lead that family spiritually, Okay. It's excellent. And, and again, most of us that have been here for a little while. We just have, have learned to, to be careful and to make sure of that before we move forward. So uh, over here. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it is done by, uh, you know, Brother Furso, myself, there's a few of us guys that do it. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I know I've talked with you a little bit. I know I've talked to Kyle quite a bit about this. It's a tough one. It's sticky. But again, I, I still can't wrap my mind around going to somebody's home, leading them to Christ, telling them you're in sin, and then good luck. I just, I can't wrap my mind around it. Now, do I want that for my kids? Heavens no. I hope they come down now pure, and it's the real deal. And that's what's in the auditorium and promoted in the bulletins and the ceremonies that pastor does. The ones we're talking about are in, uh, you know, my office, Revelos 301, gazebo, you know. And, and I would defer to these men, but here's one thought. If you're in a spot as the senior pastor where if I cross that threshold, then how do I explain this one or that one? You might just say, listen, this is what needs to be done. 
let's go down to the justice of the peace. I'm going to be right there by your side, and let's take this step, and I'm going to support you. I mean, you can still love them and help them. You may just not be the one that does it if you feel like that puts you in a compromised situation as a senior pastor. Would you add anything to that? I would just say this. Whatever your decision is, you need to make it so the next time that comes up, you don't have to be in that situation where you're thinking, I've got to wait two weeks. And I, I say that because I had the exact same thing happen to me a number of years ago, and then it got it just kind of got bad, and people ended up leaving because they were offended. And so just making whatever decision God leads you to, you mentioned you had seven different pieces of advice on it, you know, so, and, and whatever God... I'd rather first you may have something to add to that. I just, I know through this room there's going to be about 15 different opinions too. <laughs> I, I teach yantram Sunday school class. I do more funerals than weddings. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pastor Aspen is very wise. Just you're going to have to draw your line. And then um, I, I know I grew up in a pastor's home, and that was kind of my dad's stance. But there was more than once where he went down to a, uh, county clerk and stood by his side and said, Hey, let's do this. You know? So, um, yeah, but, but in our ministry, it's, it's, it's other guys that are just trying to help them out. So, okay, let's go back over here. Yes, sir. Brother First Rose, i got to do that. I'm very serious. I'll tell you, this, I could tell you so many stories about him. He's a good friend. I actually taught him in college many, many years ago. Um, but two years ago at our graduation, he told me, and I was asking, I said, you know, some of these are these fruit. 13 of the graduates of our class from Lancaster Baptist School, he led their parents to the Lord. So I think he should show you how to do it. Like I said, first of all, make sure you take some time to cultivate that relationship. And then when it's time to turn the conversation to the gospel, I have a simple question. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be robotic, okay? But I'll say something like this, okay? If I'm talking to Gabe, let's just say. I'll say, Gabe, I'm going to ask you a question that you've probably never been asked before in your entire life. Okay, number one, he's wondering, okay, I wonder what question that is. And then I'll ask him the question. And um, I like to break it up in three little segments. Because I think, you know, it's a great question. I'll say, Gabe, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd spend eternity in heaven? Okay, if his response is, well, man, I don't know that. I ask a second question. I'll say, Gabe, would you like to know? And the reason why I do that is simply this. Number one, I want to give him a way out. I don't want to force the gospel down his throat. I want to make sure that he wants to hear. So I'll ask him, would you like to know? Okay, so that number, that's give him a way out. Number two, I'm not going to worry about time if he says yes. I'm not going to say, well, i got to do this in five minutes. No, I'm going to take my time because he gave me permission to share it with him. And number three is this, 
it's a confirmation to me that the Holy Spirit's working. And so I'll give him a way out um, when I ask that question. And uh, that, that's what I do. I mean, these, these guys are all great soul winners, so they may do something a little bit differently. Excellent. Thank you for the first one. Okay, Dr. Hardy, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. One thing I want to say is that, and I, I've learned this from Brother Furso, but most of the folks that I've seen led to Christ, it's usually not the first time I meet them. I've had a few. A few, they were just, they were ripe fruit, if you will. One guy came here one time, lived 25 miles away, he got saved, and got to lead his wife to the Lord, his mother-in-law to the Lord, his daughter to the Lord. It's a great story. But I would tell you, that's probably less than 10 times in 20 years here. And I came from ministries where, like, we hit this area, then next week go to the next area. It's just they got saved, you notch your belt, you go on, and good luck. Here, the goal is to see them get saved, baptized, discipled, and serving. And when that happens, I mean, I look up at the choir last night, I see somebody led to Christ up there. It does something for you. It just does something for you. And uh, I don't, you know, Brother Furso, I, you know, it's, it's an amazing story. Brother Rule, literally, like he said, 30 couples he's led to Christ, or even married, that are married in the church now. Um, but I really learned here the patience. I'll tell one quick story. My dad is one of the, I always say, there's a guy who's very elderly now, he's the best soul I've ever met. Brother Furso was the second best. My dad's the third best. My dad called me up one day and he said, Mark, he said, I've got, he was in his 80s. He said, I've got wonderful news to share with you. I said, what is it, Dad? He said, I led a Hindu doctor to the Lord. I'm going, wow. And of course, I made a joke about it. You know, I, I asked if he had a little red dot. And for those of you who don't know, that's a pressure release valve for the curry. But uh, he laughed. He said, no. He said, you know, he's, just, he's a medical doctor. I said, Dad, that's wonderful. He said, you visited with me. I said, I don't think so, Dad. My dad's got actually a better memory than I do, so it's pretty amazing. But he said, no, you visited with me. I said, Dad, I think I'd remember that. A Hindu doctor? I said, is he Indian? He said, he's Indian. And uh, he said, well, you were still, this is about eight years ago, he says, you were still at Crown, which I'd been gone. I've been out here for 12 years. I said, Dad, I said, uh, how many times did you visit him? He said, over 100. Over 100. Hey, Brother Furso's done that here. Could you tell the story of the first about the one guy that you went back to, about, could catch him, in, I think it was five years that you dealt with him? Let's tell that story real quick. You know, just the Lord just impresses upon your heart. Uh, it was during October. We were door knocking with our missionaries and uh, knocked on this door, and it was, it was around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, the guy opened up the door, and you're able to look right through the house, and they were all at the, the dinner table having lunch together. And I kind of gave my introduction. Hi, my name is Jerry from Lancaster Baptist Church and just in your community today, inviting folks to our services. He said, oh, we're new in the community, and we're looking for a church. And and I, and I saw everybody sitting there. I said, man, I'm sorry if I caught you. No, 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 no. That's okay. And um, so we started talking to him. And I thought, wow, this is, this is perfect timing. You know, so I started to get into the guy. No, no, no. He said, I got to go eat lunch and go to work and all that. And I said, okay, well, I'd love for you to come visit. He said, we'll be there. And, um, and then as I was walking away, he said this, hey, I got a question for you. And I said, what's that? He said, will you remember me? I t and no one's ever asked me that. And I looked at his name, was Juan. I said, Juan, I'll never forget you. And I said, I'll see you Sunday. Well, Sunday I was looking for Juan and his family. They didn't show up. I went back to their home probably, I don't know, over 75 times. And uh, just the kid, I caught the kids home, never caught the husband or wife home. It was amazing. And I would go at different times. It wouldn't be the same time, you know, Saturday morning. Every, no, I would vary it. 
it, it, was, it got so bad that I'd be driving to the west side of town, and my wife would say, we're not going to that one house, are we? <laughs> my kids would say, Dad, we're not going to that house again, are we? And, uh, and because I just kept on going back and back and back. And it was about a year and a half later. Um, it was during our open house. And I was sitting on the platform, and I looked over to my right, and I saw that couple sitting there. The whole family was sitting there. And I was able to lead them to Christ that day. So here it is. This is, this is my thought. Don't give up on people too quickly. Okay. Okay, another question. Yes, sir. That's a perfect question for Pastor Asmussen. So we're going to let him. <laughs> you know, we haven't, I, I don't think I know if someone has come to our soul winning that's been over the line with their dress. And I think they get the idea that's kind of an important uh, uh, activity to be a part of. Um, I, maybe you have here, but we, we just haven't really had someone. He's, he's exactly right. And I'm, I've been to the Saturday Tuesday twice a week for 20 years. I haven't seen a believer, but we do have rules for students that dress. Because that's what they're supposed to do. You dress this way, church, you dress this way. Well, I do that. You agree with that, but first, we haven't had an issue, yeah. I think, I, I, I do believe, um, I do believe it did happen one time. Um, this is probably maybe 20 years ago. And uh, we had one of our ladies that had a lot of discernment and went to her and said, would you help me make some phone calls? And took her aside, loved on her, thanked her for coming out, and, um, and they went up to the office and made phone calls. Next Saturday when she came out, she was dressed right. So. All right, another question, right in the back. See what these men would say. Personally, for me, if somebody gives me a yes, I'm going to heaven, and they say, well, that's wonderful. If you don't mind me asking, how do you know? And they give me an unbiblical answer, I just go right back to the Word of God. And just say, you know, I've had the privilege of reading the Word of God cover to cover. I never saw that in there. Could I show you what the Bible says? But Pastor Russell, what would you say to that? You make me think of a story. I, I visited a house one day with a guy in our church, and the lady was Church of Christ, and it was brutal. I mean, she just was not wanting to listen and she just wanted to give us everything that she had learned and so when I walked out of there I honestly thought you know what I'm never going back here that was really in my heart was pretty sad but it's true and about a year later maybe even a little longer than that one day in church she and her husband came walking in the back I thought you got to be kidding me I thought I mean this is I mean she just I mean she was just not nice at all well that Saturday her husband came soul winning well he wasn't saved so I went to him, I said, hey, I said, Frank, I said, could we talk for a few minutes? And he said, sure. And so we went in a room next door, and he, he got saved. And he said, hey, can you talk to my wife? And I thought, oh. <laughs> Any, anything but that, okay? I mean, I thought, oh, I, I just don't want to do this. So I called her up and said, hey, would you mind stopping by the church? I've got, I just want to do a little Bible study with you. She said, great. And so I was looking up every verse I could think of, you know, I was getting counsel on it, studying it out. She came to my office, and I just gave her the gospel, and she accepted the Lord. 
and she's super faithful. She was in our church for a number of years. She's now down at Brother Barrow's church down in National City, and they love the Lord. They're super involved in their church. But like someone said, it just was the Lord working in her heart, and then the Word of God working. And, and there's just to me, it was impossible. But it wasn't impossible with God. So God, God brought her to Himself. That's great. Somebody else? Yes, sir. Very similar to what Brother Fursto said. I, I tell him, Hi, my name is Mark. I'm from Lancaster Baptist. Right away, I let him know where we're from. Right, I'm out in the neighborhood. And I always ask, do you have a church home? And I always say this. I said, I'm always glad when people go to church. I don't necessarily mean that church, but I am glad when people go to church. And I said, it's important to go to church. And I have to say this. Everybody needs a Christian home, a church home, and a heavenly home. But the most more important than church I said, do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven? And I'm, it's still 90% don't know. They just don't know. And uh, I'm going to just add one more thought. I was visiting again around the Caesar time, and our next-door neighbors, I have nicknamed them the serial liars <laughs> because they have said they would come so many times. My wife has baked things for them multitude of times. We fixed entire meals for them that they didn't show up for. Made some college students very happy. And uh, finally, a year ago, I said, hey, we're going to have a tri-tip meal. We're going to have air bounce for the kids. We come. They said, yes. I wasn't out of the drive. I told my wife, I said, they're lying. I said, they lie every stinking time. I said, they lie. And uh, I looked for my Sunday school class at auditorium, easy to find. They didn't show up. I said, I knew it. A bunch of stinking liars, you know. And I'm there Sunday morning. I'm 6'6". Six, six. I'm turning around. I see them walking the back door. And they came out to the Student Life Center, and I was able to lead them both to Christ. Now, I'd like to tell you, it's been great since then. It hasn't been. I've got some great stories of people who are doing great here. They haven't. We went back again this Easter. And my wife said, we ought to invite him again. She made us some baked goods. We went over there. They were pulling out one side of the driveway. They were one-acre lots, and I was pulling in the other. I was getting ready to go slowly. My wife had already been that afternoon. And I told her the first, so this is one of the most memorable things I've ever heard. I walked over and said, hey, we're having a big thing at church again. He looked at me. He took this stuff. He said, you know, he said, thank you for not forgetting about us. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. And there's somebody who would wonder for you if you've forgotten about him. But the first one convicted me about not forgetting about Jose, you know, will we go back, so. Okay, maybe one or two more. Yes, ma'am. Church home, heavenly home, Christian home. Yes, sir. At Lesson 10, they fell at the spiritual gifts test in the ministry survey. Between Lesson 10 and Lesson 14, we're trying to assimilate them into a weekly ministry. The goal upon graduation is that they're doing two things regularly. One, serving in a ministry each week. Two, going soul winning. What I have found personally to help ensure that is to make the person I disciple my soul winning partner. So my two soul winning partners right now are the last two guys I disciple. So, But that would be our expectation. There's... We're trying to do a lot more beyond that, but after 14 weeks, we feel like those two things are reasonable. There's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, <laughs> connection groups. You know, we don't have a part two. We've, that's something we actually we've 
uh, begun discussing a little bit, but it's really just the organic growth through the church. We just feel like that gives them the foundation. Part two um, is also some people, once they graduate from discipleship, their part two is when they disciple someone else. And, um, and so that could be our part two. Uh, because once you're teaching it, you're digging a lot deeper than when you're just going through it. So we do encourage, and not, not everybody that goes and finishes discipleship, are they ready to disciple? Um, but a good number of them are, and that really helps them. I feel like if they're in ministry, that really helps. Pastor. And part 1A is when you're taking that person soul winning with you every week. And so that, that, that time you have with them, and you're, I, I just believe in that so strongly that you're able to just sit there and take two hours with them and just back and forth with them and helping them the next step. Jesse's my soul partner Saturday morning right now. He always, I mean, he's an organized guy. He has a binder. And so he flips to the recent page and he's got questions for me. So it is kind of a part two organically in that way. So uh, let's take one more this way. And then what, I don't know if all these men can stay, but we'll stay and answer as many as we can. So we'll do two more of these two. You mean as far as the right to present the gospel to them? Okay. So, yeah. We live in a different culture with all kinds of legalities. We'll see what Pastor Ashton says for their church. Here, there's no child allowed to ride a church bus to Lancaster Baptist Church where we do not have written permission from the parent. So our captains and workers have to go to the homes. We have a permission slip. The parents sign it, and that's what gives us the permission for them to come. So that, that's a, it's a different animal, but it's what we've had to do. Pastor Russell? I know we're heading that direction with, this, with the same exact procedure as you, just getting permission to come. It's just, there's, there's so much liability today that you've got to be careful. So, yeah, we, we do. Yeah, baptism. So, so now, like I would think, if we have some soul owners out and about, I, I know for me personally, if I'm out and about soul owning and there's some children there, I'm going to say, well, where's your mom and dad? <laughs> and, and before I just start presenting the gospel to somebody, if they're a minor, I'm going to make sure that there's parental permission. But from the perspective of a church, for a child to ride our bus or to be baptized, uh, there's going to be written, signed permission from the parents before those. The, the problem is the optics of it. Somebody drives by, and I'm out there talking to these little children. It's sad, but it's true. And so you just got to be careful. Um, yes, did you have a follow-up to that? Or? Well, I, when I was working at the bus ministry when I was in college, the permission slip actually had the gospel on it. Oh, uh, yeah, it covers. Yeah, I think, I think Brother First Help developed them. It covers everything we're going to cover, and they the parents sign it. So, so. We're covered in that way, but I think you were even asking about some of the community involvement, and that we're just discerning and careful. We have the Soul Winners 11 Commandments, and what that is is 11 things that they do not do. Yeah. And one of them is you, they do not talk to children under the age of 13 yeah. Yeah. without the parent permission. Yeah. I think you could just email. You have it, though. Yeah, jerry.firstsaltlancasterbaptist.org. 
In fact, every question, just Jerry dot first Lancaster Baptist. Yeah. All right. Who else has a question here? Okay. This for Brother Rule. <laughs> All righty. We got great camaraderie here on our team. One more. Last one. Okay, I'll do that real quick, and then we'll refer to faith, and then we'll close. Uh, so here, somebody visits Lancaster Baptist Church. They fill out a connection card. Brother Furso would sit down with all of the visitors with the connection group leaders in mind, and he's studying things like um, life stage, age, relational status. And we have all of our visitors bring their connection, tar- uh, re- connection card to a high table like one in the back <clears throat> to get their gift, and there's a worker there. And that worker sometimes will learn something about them and jot it on the card, which will even further help with that. Then Brother Furso assigns that first-time guest to a steward. And that steward then goes to the home. Could be Dr. R, could be me, could be Brother McKinley, could be anybody. And then we go to the home. Thanks for being our guest. A lot of things we've already discussed. And then we invite them to our connection group. Once they're in a connection group, then we would encourage them at the right time in their growth to enroll in discipleship. Those don't happen independent of one another. Connection groups are on Sunday discipleships on Wednesday. So uh, they're, they're in discipleship, they graduate, and they would go to the midweek Bible study, but they're in the connection group that whole time. that makes sense? Pastor Ashton, what would you add to that for your church? Well, that's really the same process we have, but I, I really like that idea of having that person that gets that card to write down information about them, some little thought that they might be helpful as you go to visit with them. So I th- I, I, we don't do that, but I, we will do that now, and I thought that was just a, that was a great help. No, no, it could be, uh, could be uh, let's take uh, one of our guys on staff here that's facilities. Now, he's in a connection group, though. <laughs> so when we've looked at the visitor, uh, th- we think they would fit in this connection group, and that guy needs someone to follow up on. So it's not necessarily a connection group leader, but the end game is always to get him in a connection group. Um, but it's not. But the teachers are, are certainly kind of that, that uh, front line, but there will be other people as well that would get them. Um, and that's something we did about <coughs> – uh, 18 months ago, where instead of the visitor card just turned in to get a gift, we have that personal interaction happening, and we might discover where they work or something like that and write it down. And we don't always get that, but sometimes we do, and it's helpful. So um, this has been awesome. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm sorry it's a little stuffy in here. Uh, I think that was the sign to get us out of the room. So uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then if uh, you have other questions, as long as these men can stay, feel free to do that. Dr. R., thank you for your time. Pastor Asperson, thank you. And I can tell you, and, and for the first so. And I can tell you, for all three of these men on this panel, uh, they live this topic and encourage many, many others. And uh, Pastor Chapel brought Pastor Asmussen to our staff advance and had him challenge us in this area because he personally lives it. But first, so has modeled it here as well as Dr. R for many years. So uh, we're thankful for these men for their time. So let's pray. And we're thankful for your desire to bear fruit that remains as well. So let's pray. And if you have other questions, let us know. And then let's come anticipating the service tonight at 630. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the time together with these dear servants, with the common denominator of wanting to be faithful servants that bear fruit that remains. And I pray that you would help us to be fervent in the area of outreach, winning souls, and seeing uh, committed followers of Jesus Christ produced through our churches. We pray that you bless these individual servants and their ministries and their families in the service tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Q&A.